This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and with me here today is Brandon Starnes, pastor of Susquehanna Valley Baptist Church. We want to thank you for joining us. Have you checked out our Facebook page? Have you seen the memes, blog, quotes, etc.? You can find all that at facebook.com forward slash rwmin, R-W-M-I-N. Hopefully you check that out, and hopefully it's a blessing to you. And when you're there, after you're done looking at those memes, after you're done looking at the blog, reading some quotes, etc., please like us, share us with your friends, and um, we just want that to be a blessing to you and also a way for you to reach out to us here at the podcast, Rejoicing in the Word podcast. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Just wanted to say that to you. This is our Thanksgiving special. And we're going to be talking a lot about Thanksgiving, mainly what God has to say about it. But to start it off, I thought I'd bring a fun fact to the table. We have, this is the 401st Thanksgiving, 401. That's a lot. That's a lot of years. That is a significant number of years to consider. I don't know that we have always consistently commemorated a uh, Thanksgiving here for our country. But obviously, it's something that not only uh, every Christian should do, but it's good for any society to engage in as well. But as you well know, though it's 400 years for our country, Thanksgiving has been, well, it's mentioned throughout the scriptures. Throughout the scriptures, that word Thanksgiving, um, the first time you find it, interestingly enough, you know, with so many things, the first time you find it's in the book of Genesis. And, And so often that's the narrative. The word Thanksgiving is originally mentioned in the book of Leviticus. In fact, from Leviticus to Revelation, it's mentioned nearly 30 times in all of scriptures. Now, we would be just silly for a moment, but of course, biblical Thanksgiving does not involve football teams. Pumpkin pie? I'm afraid we're out there. Even that sweet potato pie. You know what they call it? Sweet potato pie? I don't know. I've never had that. Oh my goodness. You lived in New England too long. Uh, where the original Thanksgivings were. That's right. They didn't have all that. When you think of uh, uh, the biblical thoughts of uh, Thanksgiving, I doubt it involved a turkey. But the essence is greater. And for a Christian, Thanksgiving shouldn't just be about the consumption and the feeding of the flesh, but rather the whole th- the doctrine behind it, which is Thanksgiving unto the Lord. And that, that idea of thanks. That's been going on for a long time. Yes, and it's replete in the Scriptures. I, I would guess, without having the precise numbers of every uh, derivative of the word thanksgiving or thanks, easily set 100, 120, 130 different times, maybe even more, that God indicates in one form or another. Now, sometimes, it's like in Romans chapter 1, when talking of those that are in the judgment of God, he talks about neither were they thankful. So that's a whole different way to look at it. But right. for a child of God, thanksgiving ought to be something that's near and dear to our heart. A couple of verses to share with you. I think of the 100th Psalm, uh, where he says in the fourth verse, enter into his gates with... Thanksgiving. Yes, and into his courts with praise. Uh, Later that verse he says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. And then I, you know, thinking in context, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth through all generation. Or Colossians. To the believers at Colossae, uh, folks of which Paul had never met, and he writes that prayer that's preserved for us in scriptures in chapter 1 that they might 
know him, etc., and and have that deep knowledge of him. But in chapter 3, he reminds them through inspiration, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. You know, it's important to note that in the scriptures, the idea of thanksgiving is a form of worship. It absolutely, that's the first way it's mentioned in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus. You know, I read a joke somewhere years ago. It says, great difficulty about reading the Bible through. You can get through Genesis and part of Exodus, but man, you hit a wall at Leviticus. And kind of kind of tongue-in-cheek there. The reality is the opening chapters of Leviticus have great order as they describe appropriate worship to God, particularly through various sacrifices. And so each of those sacrifices covers everything from, from a trespass offering or a sin offering, even a burnt offering. But we get to chapter 7, the idea there in an overarching way is the idea of peace offerings. And these were free will offerings. In fact, as you get to these free will offerings, there's three stipulations given in chapter 7. In verse 16, it says uh, that, that you could give a thanksgiving offering, a peace offering, if you will, uh, when you were making a vow. Uh, when you were making a vow, and obviously you were making a vow as to a pledge that you're making to God, and often because of something that he did or was doing. Okay. You could make the peace offering or this free will offering. It was completely voluntary. Um, I don't, I mean, in my mind, I wonder how someone could experience God's goodness, particularly thinking in the Old Testament right. concept, and not ever in their life have any thanksgiving, but it was voluntary. Sure. And then a, a third reason for it was it was simply a way uh, in which God had allotted a com- particular process for you, thanks. for you just to give thanks. Um, and the reality, that ought to be something that we do at all times. It's even part of the model prayer in Matthew. As we're praying, you're to pray on this wise, and, and there's thanks that is included in part of that. It's part of every aspect that we do. But it was one of the peace offerings, and as a result, when it was given to God, it was accompanied by a number of things. Uh, for instance, there were unleavened cakes that were mingled, if you will, mixed with oil. There were unleavened, uh, unleavened wafers that were mingled with oil. Uh, there were cakes made of fine flour mingled with oil, and they were fried. Sounds like a donut. Anyway, <laughs> it's all mingled and fried, fine flour, you know, there. You had leavened bread. And then, of course, you had a sacrifice, too, right. that was given. All of this went in. Another interesting thing that I would remind you out of Leviticus chapter 7 is uh, not only did it have particular reasons and not only did it have particular components of it, but there were particular people that would be blessed by this. Let me okay. delve into this just a little bit. For instance, there was always with these sacrifice the Lord's portion. Okay, right. And woe be unto you if you took God's portion. In fact, later in verse number 20, he specifically talks about this, and the idea was it was all the fats belonged to God. They were his, and if you were to take of those, death was the punishment. You know, I was just reading in Leviticus, I don't know, it was last month my Bible reading, and I had I was chuckling to myself because there's verse after verse after it said the fat belongs to the Lord the fat belongs to the Lord and it just kept going I was like wow okay you wanted I get the fat. it I get it <laughs> don't you know and and you could get into a whole thought about that but the essence that was God's portion right but that wasn't all that occurred during the peace offering it wasn't just that you brought it and it was all His there's also the portion and the Scripture calls it in verse number 15, fourteen the heave 
or the wave offering. That was a, for the priest? A portion of that was taken for the priest. Okay. Usually it was a premium portion of the meat, the shoulder, etc. And it would be heaved and waved before the Lord, and that was the priest portion. And then the final aspect is found in verse number 15, and we could call it the offerer's portion. Okay. And there was an interesting conclusion on it. It had to be eaten that same day. Absolutely. In no way could there possibly be any leftovers. So if you've got this whole meal before you and you have no ability to eat it yourself, then you invite your friends you over. You probably are going to be inviting family or friends over. And, and, and you know, that's the reality is it, it's a little bit of the doctrine of generosity. Um, you know, I think of Deuteronomy chapter 12 in reference of this. He talks about, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye your sons, your daughters, the Levites within your gates, uh, your maidservant, your men servants, for as much as he hath no part of inheritance with you. Bring them together. You take heed of these things. There's always throughout Deuteronomy, you find several times, and again, I, I'm just referring to it as the doctrine of generosity. Well, I think I, we're going to touch on this later, but just how Thanksgiving affects your life. Thanksgiving is going to cause generosity in your life. And it should. I, I mean, has, has God been a skin flint towards you? Absolutely not. No. If you had nothing to thank God for, then you could thank him for the greatest gift that you could possibly ever receive. You know, Romans chapter 5. The Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Salvation, full, rich, and free. I'm translated from a kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. Talk about generous. Yes. I mean, the glories of heaven. I'm an heir in Christ Jesus. Uh, You you might, you know, have to eat the crumbs from the rich man's table. You may not have everything that you wanted in life. You might be like that one congressman and you say, well, you have to break out the macaroni and cheese. Well, you know, that all might be true. Sure. But we are inwardly experiencing the peace of God that keeps our heart and mind. But I would focus for a moment. There's no leftovers. It's the doctrine of generosity a little bit there. And that's thematic throughout Scripture. I think um, in Deuteronomy also he speaks about the bondservant, and after that time frame with which he's released, he says, and ye shall uh, give unto him liberally right. out of your stocks and sheep and things. And, More than and, just the necessities. And, and so some, yeah. you're by, by observing this free will offering from the heart, you're giving God what he wants, thanks, praise, what pleases him. You're assisting laterally in the priest. It's, 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 it's a blessing to him because you're offering thanks. Right. But then besides that, there's all of these folks that now have a part in the blessing you received because you chose to give thanks. And, you know, when you, when you come to the scriptures, I think of Leviticus chapter 22, it was to be offered at your own will. If this was a mandated offering in this Old Testament economy, if it's a mandated offering, it wouldn't really be Thanksgiving, would it? No, you would begrudge it. Too often we begrudge God things that He overwhelmingly deserves. But these same truths, you know, there's there is in Leviticus. There's a qualification around the offering, but the offering itself was to be around the heart. It wasn't to be duty bound. Uh, They needed to see and attribute each blessing that they had from God's own divine hand. And when you come to the New Testament, there's ample passages on thanksgiving. I'm not going to mention all of them, but I I think of just a few, 1 Thessalonians 5, 
and verse 18, and it, it ends with, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What? That you give thanks. Yeah. And then in Colossians, let me, let, let's just share a couple of verses here out of Colossians chapter 2 and 3. In verse 7, he says that you would be rooted and, and, built up. and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And then over in chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16, you're to let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And one mark, and there's so many different ways that we could we could go in this particular special. But to think of Thanksgiving, it always has an expression. And in verse number 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. That Thanksgiving should be coming out. Yes. A hundred psalm, the fifth verse, singing melodiously, psalms, hymns. It's an expression. I'm not saying that we don't face disappointment and discouragement and things of that nature in life, but it's a great joy that we have to worship and commune with the Creator God, who we know by faith is our personal Savior, and that we can continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Great emphasis is placed on thanksgiving in the Scripture. It is the present will of God. It is not only something that I am to give to God. It's not only something God loves, but others. It was seen by others. It's genuineness for it was done by or from our heart. And so there's great blessings that come with Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I'm not talking about, well, of course, I get to eat turkey. (laughs) Oh, of course, I get to eat this or I get to eat that. No, the great, or I get a day off or two days off or whatever. Or Black Friday comes or for the brethren in Pennsylvania. Hunting season starts. Yes, that's right. Those aren't the gifts he's talking about. You know, when you think about Thanksgiving, it is a divine antidote. It is what God has given us and help us combat in so many areas that we need to combat. Right. I think oftentimes whenever we think of Thanksgiving as in the holiday or Thanksgiving as in pumpkin pie and turkey, I mean, we we can lose sight so quickly of what true Thanksgiving is in our relationship with God and in our relationship to fellow believers. And like you were saying, there's a great antidote whenever it's more than just turkey and pumpkin pie. I mean, I know positionally from the scriptures, I'm seated together in high places. I'm an heir of God. I'm one of the sons of God, First John speaks of. But the simple fact is thanksgiving, the giving of thanks to the God of heaven, it strikes at the very uh, present enemy that is found in the heart of every child of God. What's that, his flesh? His flesh. And, and that's why I want to enumerate that for a moment, his ever-present enemy. We, we speak of Satan in First Peter chapter 5, looking about, roaming about, seeking who like he Like a roaring lion. Yes. Yeah. He's not omniscient. He's not everywhere at once. But your flesh is ever-present with you. <laughs> you can't get rid of it until can't. one day. One day I'm going to be saved forever from it, and that's where all God's people will say, Amen. Amen. You know, but when you think about your flesh, uh, there's a tendency to direct all the world inwardly. 
to allow self-pity sure. or self-focus. And in keeping with self, let's just broadly call it selfishness. And selfishness, self-pity, self-focus is the ruination of the will of God. These self-sins, you know, in Colossians, where he's talking about thanksgiving, he makes the, the, uh, the, the mention there of singing and making melody in your heart, admonishing one another. He gives the order of the home, even children obeying their parents. and You can't do that if you're focused on yourself. Not if you're focused on self. Uh, and that's what I mean by self-sins. They have a ruination of family and relationships. They cause us to focus on what makes me happy. What fills the expectations of my mind? And it's a terrible thing that sometimes we let our mind put these expectations that are completely unbiblical. They're completely self-focused. And when these failed expectations are come about, they lead to self-pity. And self-pity is one of the chief causes of discouragement, depression, and despondency. Hmm. How do I combat that? What am I supposed to do? With the divine antidote, Thanksgiving. I need to take a regular doses in my life. You know, you ever, you've seen these doctor prescriptions, take two pills twice a week for the end. Well, if, that's only, a, if only we took Thanksgiving as faithfully. If you could have vitamin T. If you could get vitamin T. You need to take it every day and be thankful. Um, I, I don't want to oversimplify matters, but that is one of the divine antidotes uh, is trusting God, believing in his promises, and thanking him. Regardless if you're like Paul and you're in a prison cell in Philippi, Sing praises unto him, for he is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endure through all generations. You know, we've looked a lot into the life of Paul for this season, but whenever you really look at it and say, well, how is Paul not affected? How is he, how is he making it through those difficult times? You find him thankful. Well, that's how he opens up so many of the epistles. Uh, like in Colossians, I'm going to turn there a moment, so you're going to hear my pages rattle, but... If you're in Colossians chapter 1, that's exactly how he starts it off. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He says it again in verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father. So, uh, and you could look at Philippians chapter 1. You could look in Romans as well. Thanks is important and part of it. The, the question really is, what fueled is thanksgiving? What fueled is joy? They, they worked in tandem. He recognized that he was doing the will of God. He was right where he was supposed to be. You go back to felt expectations. A lot of times when we're confronted with things that don't go our way, the, one of the first things we do is remove ourselves from what we know God wants us to do. Right. We know God wants to commune with us, so therefore we ought to be in prayer and Bible reading. But when things aren't going our way, yeah, it's like the first thing we give up. Or we stop showing up to church. Yep. We withdraw from everything we know God wants to, and then our our. Bitterness becomes prevalent and uh, begins to bloom and impact many others, and our joy has just diminished where all of a sudden now we're blaming God. We left the path of understanding. It's just a big spiral. Absolutely. So Thanksgiving strikes at the very heart of that present enemy, the flesh. Another thing that when you think of Thanksgiving that it, 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 it works for as a natural, or I should say a divine antidote, is it strikes at that cumulative focus of self, selfishness. Selfishness has a chorus line, and that's what I want to focus on here. Um, when you think of a chorus line, you think of an anthem. You think of a song. Right. Uh, 
you think of a cheer in that regard. And self-focus, selfishness has a song. I should note, it's a little bit different for one person than it is another. Your chorus line of selfishness might sound different than mine, but there's always a refrain, and there's always more stanzas than you can memorize, and they're always coming about. And of course, I'm, I'm talking about complaining murmuring, and murmuring. Um, in a study some time ago, I was looking at this word murmuring, and it it's the Greek word there. It just sounds like murmuring, murmur, 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 like sure. that, you know. And that's the idea. Uh, ultimately, in the Old Testament, God greatly had a disdain for murmuring and complaining. And regardless of how many times he provided, they murmured. When he brought down the manna from heaven and it laid there, the psalmist calls that angel food, they murmured. When he brought the quail in. Each time, they just, they, they, they murmured at Moses, at how Moses was leading, at what Moses said, at where they're at, at what kind of water there is. And each time, the silliness of it, the preposterity of it, he's brought us out in the wilderness to die. I mean, you only have to read a few chapters for to realize that he had saved them, right? Exactly. Did they forget they were getting beaten? Did they forget that all the the infanticide that was imposed upon them from government orders? Or if God hadn't stood in the way and parted the Red Sea, they wouldn't even be in the wilderness. If God would have let the Red Sea close up just a few steps, that would have been so much easier from a human perspective than wandering around and providing for them for 40 years. Right. But in the foolishness of their mind, they had... They were singing of their selfishness, whining, murmuring, complaining, and that refrain, it's not fair, I don't like, I wish this, well, all of these. It, it's a selfish, or I should say, really, um, it's a heart's favorite selfish tune to sing. Yeah, and you just said it, it comes from a heart. It's not just something that you're singing out loud. If you're singing it, it's because it's coming from somewhere inside. And, and brother, you know... It starts early in life. It, you, you don't have to be too early to experience the woe is me. Everybody hates me. <laughs> the poochy lip disease. But you know, thankfulness is a divine antidote for that. The expression of genuine thanks takes time to observe and remember and record. And again, I, I'm not suggesting that we should just have Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of November. Right, exactly. But all in our prayer books, in, in, our, in our little prayer sheets, and in, in our Bible, if we just record God's goodness to us, build it's, them up, and if we were to wait till Thanksgiving to give all those praises, I mean, we should be in church for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Why? Because he's been so good to us. His faithfulness is consistent. He, he, great is his faithfulness. They, they are new every morning. Uh, Nehemiah writes of this thing. And, and so the divine antidote for murmuring and complaining is a thankful heart, a thankful heart. So it strikes at the present enemy of the flesh. It strikes at the song of the flesh, we might would call it. But then it also strikes at the root sin. And by that, I mean pride. Uh, the scripture says in James, you know, that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Often we have a tendency to think too highly of ourselves. Romans chapter 12 mentions this. We have a trait that too often claims success that is not our own. And I think of Deuteronomy chapter 8 
and the Lord in the re-giving of this. He's reminding uh, the Jews, and it says something quite interesting, and, and I'll read just a few of these verses. In verse number two of chapter eight, he says, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. And he gives the reason why he led them into 40 years. And the answer is not to kill them. Right. The answer is to humble thee mm-hmm. and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Verse number three, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not thee. Um, and then he goes on, know that every man doth not live by bread only, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord uh, doth man live. The Lord uses this verse in Matthew chapter four. And he goes on to tell him, thy raiment, Wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell for forty years. Hmm. Um, he goes on. He just tells them into a land of brooks, of waters, of fountains, of depths, of spring, land of wheat and barley, pomegranates, olive oil. Uh, thou shalt not lack anything. Verse number nine in it. But the reminder is given in verse number eleven. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I have commanded this day. Last when thou hast eaten and are full and has built goodly houses and dwell in them, and now he's going to begin talking about the greatness of their herd and their flocks. He says, your heart is lifted up, Don't and thou forget the Lord. the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. You know, speaking of that time when they're walking through the wilderness, I think oftentimes in our lives, maybe it's because of pride, uh, it's definitely because of selfishness, we can look at the difficulty that we're going through. For instance, the children of Israel, they're wandering in the wilderness, and they're losing sight of the fact of all that God's doing for them, and all that God is using in their life to take them to where he wants them to be. For instance, they're wandering, but they are losing sight of the fact that God is not allowing their feet to swell, he says that in the scriptures. Or he's having them wander, and his desire is that they would be humble. And so they're losing track of where what God is doing in their lives, and they're not thankful about it. And so, yeah. as the well, scriptures come, say, they remember. They've come to the point in Deuteronomy chapter 8 where they believe, and the scripture says there in verse 17, Thou shalt say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. I mean, that's that's where a lot of times Christians find ourselves. We, we forget of where we would be, save the power and wondrous gift of salvation. And we, we look at these, man, I'm glad I'm not like this guy, or I'm glad I'm not like... Well, right. What about God doing that to you? Right. What about the salvation you have? What about the illumination into the Scripture of God? It's not you. It's the power of God that has done all that. No wonder... God hates pride so much. Sure, absolutely. Proverbs chapter 6, he said, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination. And at the top of that list, a proud look. Yeah. In chapter 8, he mentions the same thing. He talks about pride and the evil way, doth I hate. God is no fan of pride. He's no fan of murmuring and complainer. And the divine antidote for this is thanksgiving. Hmm. I think there's a fourth thing that Thanksgiving strikes at, and that's its self-praise. And, and, and it kind of brings all of these previous ones together. I might would even say not only self-praise, but trust. The scripture talks about this. It says, whatsoever is not of faith is of sin. Uh, it's an easy thing in this life to really just trust ourselves. Yeah. Trust our abilities. 
trust our way, our thoughts. Especially when everything's going well. Yes. And, you know, our, consider, our worldly wisdom. Right. We're just, we're just so talented and great. And yet the Lord, through Isaiah the prophet in the 55th chapter, your ways are not my ways. Yeah, my thoughts are not mine, fella. As far as the heaven is from the earth, so are my ways. Much higher. They're just just beyond that. Uh, But in Proverbs chapter 20, the scripture tells us that most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Who's responsible for the blessing, the success, the salvation, the hope, the peace, the et cetera, that as a child of God, we experience on a daily, personal basis? Uh, the scripture sums it up in just really one word, and though this talks to a greater instance, still the application rings no less true. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. Once again, thanksgiving is a natural antidote. It keeps us from trusting ourselves. If God has delivered, if God has made good on his promises, God has provided for us, shouldn't I give thanks? Absolutely. And when I reflect on his goodness, it calls me to give thanks, and it is a personal warning to know that in my flesh dwelleth no good, good thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, a divine antidote. You know, it would do us all well to sit down and to think about, and even to tell others. I know in our church here we're going to have a Thanksgiving service, and we're going to tell, testify, really, of God's goodness to us, testify of our thanks to God, and you know, if you're having difficulty being thankful for something, um, they say there's they say there's an easy way to find something to be thankful for, and that would be to look around at others around you, and inevitably you're going to find someone that has it worse off than you. Mm. The other thing that we're challenging you to do today is to not only just look around you and see how good you have it, see how good God has been to you. Look to the Word of God. Look to the Scriptures. And ever-present truth there. Ever-present truth. And so with that, we want to close out this special, this Thanksgiving special with the Psalm of Thanks. Psalm 100 says this, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us. And not we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. My friend, if you are looking for something to be thankful for today, turn to Psalm 100, open up the scriptures, and read that psalm. I think that there is enough there to be thankful for, for the whole upcoming year let alone the whole scriptures that we have. And with that, we want to sign off here telling you thank you once again for joining us for this special. Goodbye for now.